Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, May 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. As lockdowns ease, investors are eyeing recovery. But what should we make of some of the other economic concerns on the horizon? Plus, investment-grade companies have taken advantage of low yields to raise an eye-catching amount of debt in the first five months of this year. And Elon Musk's SpaceX plans to send two NASA astronauts into space today. The FT's West Coast editor, Richard Waters, will explain what this means for commercial ambitions in the final frontier. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, the New York Stock Exchange trading floor partially opened up for the first time in two months. New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo rang the opening bell while wearing a mask. Roughly 100 traders, around a quarter of the usual amount, were assigned desks behind plexiglass screens. The reopening at the NYSE was one thing, but the sense that similar efforts were happening in workplaces and shops elsewhere in the world lifted global stocks yesterday. The FT's Philip Stafford explains what investors have been paying attention to, even in the face of some other looming economic threats. Right now on markets, there are several themes that are really going around. There's a, a sense that, first of all, we are potentially through the worst of it. Not not on the way up, but it, it certainly isn't going to get an awful lot worse than it was in, in March and April. And, and that perhaps as economies begin to ease the lockdown very gently, that therefore means that this quarter will be better than the last quarter and the next quarter will be better again. That said, this is still very early days and it, in all likelihood, if you're going to actually see a, a return of the virus, that's still some weeks ahead. Furthermore, I mean, this is also the nature of, of markets to look six to nine months uh, into the future. When you're looking at uh, where you would park your cash, the investors are looking around and seeing that treasuries are, and, and the yields on treasuries are still very low and are not likely to go anywhere. Interest rates are close to zero. They're not going to go anywhere. And when you look at where do you park your cash, then you you kind of sort of fall back on, on the same sort of thoughts that have really been flowing around the market for the past few years. And one of which, of course, have been uh, go to equities. OK, Philip, but how do we square that idea with some of the other concerns on the horizon? Scientists aren't writing off a second round of coronavirus lockdowns, not to mention concerns over escalating tensions with the U.S. and China and the fallout, of course, of China's move on national security legislation with Hong Kong. So with all of these things still very much in play, will investors stay optimistic? Most economies have uh, and, and countries that have unveiled uh, very, very extensive spending plans in order to protect their, their citizens' incomes, uh, to protect businesses. One of the issues had always been, well, will investors take up the bonds that will be required to pay for it? And every indication is that, yes, they are. Furthermore, central banks have also indicated that they're nowhere near out of ammunition in terms of uh, maybe expanding the balance sheet, buying up bonds. Uh, so the fact that markets are going up by, you know, maybe one and a half, two percent every day or couple of days would suggest that that, that enthusiasm isn't rampant. It is human nature to be look uh, more on the optimistic side, but you can sort of understand why people are, are looking at the markets this way. 
and the low interest rates that Philip mentioned, they have helped investment-grade borrowers raise considerable debt in the bond market this year. More than a trillion dollars. That's how much highly rated companies have borrowed in the last five months as they try to strengthen their balance sheets. The likes of Disney, ExxonMobil, and Apple have all padded their war chests, bracing for the coronavirus economic downturn. Companies have used the funds to pay back emergency credit lines. They've also tried to replenish their cash, given that lockdowns hit a lot of their income. According to data from Refinitiv, the $1 trillion threshold that's already been hit this year outpaces the $540 billion raised last year. And it's closing in on the $1.3 trillion full-year average over the past five years. This includes the debt financial institutions have raised in 2020. The biggest deal came from Boeing, which raised $25 billion in the market. And if you want to know how they're able to pull this off, look no further than central banks. Big support packages from around the world have helped keep conditions stable in the past few months. The Federal Reserve cut its target interest rate to between zero and a quarter of a percent. That helped to drag down the average yield on investment-grade bonds. It means that some companies have even managed to cut their borrowing costs compared to what they had to pay before the pandemic. The U.S. Central Bank is also expected to soon begin buying individual corporate bonds to further support the market. Meanwhile, lower-rated, high-yield bonds have been issued at a gentler pace. $123 billion so far this year, compared to $99 billion over the same period last year. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. Space, the final frontier. It's mostly been dominated by science fiction movies and explored by governments. But if the weather holds up in Florida today, another group will join the ranks of space exploration, private companies. SpaceX, Elon Musk's space company, will launch two NASA astronauts in a spacecraft on top of one of its Falcon 9 rockets. If all goes according to plan, it'll be the first human test flight on a commercial rocket to reach the International Space Station. It'll also signal a breakthrough for the private space industry as a whole. And as the FT's West Coast editor, Richard Waters, explains, this journey reflects a change in how NASA is approaching the future of low-Earth orbit. There's been a complete sea change in the U.S. government's attitude to space in the last decade. Two decades ago, in the first private uh, citizen, an American called Dennis Tito, went, wanted to go into space uh, as, as a space tourist. NASA refused to train him and st- tried to stand in the way, really objected to this. What's happening now is completely night and day. NASA has realized that its real mission is exploration, is reaching Mars, is getting humans back to the moon. Uh, these kind of much bigger, far-flung missions. Its job is not to put people into low Earth orbit up to the International Space Station. You know, I mean, this is no longer rocket science, to use an expression. This is known technology. NASA and other governments have pioneered this technology. It's, it's ready to be handed off to the private sector to be turned into a business. How will the private sector's involvement in space travel affect the cost of sending a person into space? This is really the most important issue over the next decade. The price has to come down for space to become, you know, the real commercial proposition that a lot of people think it could be. Right now, the price is astronomically high. Uh, It's gone up to nearly $100 million just because there are so few ways of getting there and so many governments that want to put their own astronauts into space. The NASA plan has been to create a competitive market. So while it's SpaceX that's going up this week, 
Boeing has also built a private spacecraft. It's had a few teething problems, but it might go up next year. And there are other companies waiting to do the same. So the hope here, you know, experts I talk to, you think that the price could fairly quickly drop below $50 million. But it's if it falls much further than that, it gets really interesting, you know, that when the commercial sector is involved and we don't, not everything is being done, done on very expensive government contract, spaceflight could be more routine. It could be a lot cheaper. And if the price comes down below 10 million in the next decade, which some people think is possible, I think it just opens up space to a lot of people. Great. Well, I'll be sure to book my ticket. You should. Um, Richard, are there any concerns about the private sector having so much power? And do you think the excitement over the potential of, of what these private companies can do in terms of space travel outweighs this concern? Yeah, I mean, I think in many ways, you know, it's it's kind of cliched to compare this to the opening up of the Western frontier in the US. But there are some very, very close parallels. You have this very close association of commercial and government interest in expanding the horizon. And the US needs to find reasons to incentives to get commercial companies to explore and open up new frontiers in space. We saw it last month, the Trump administration passed an executive order, which has essentially made it easier for private companies to claim resources on the moon. Now, you might say, well, when's that ever going to happen? Well, quite soon, possibly, because, you know, sending probes to the moon is getting much easier. If you can mine water on the moon and use that to create rocket fuel, it becomes a massively valuable resource. So I think what we're seeing here is government and commercial organizations moving together. I think they feel they've got something that works now. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. 
That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.